Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll & Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. Yuan, over to you to get us started with our first item. Thanks, Peter. On June 9th, OMB released Memorandum M-23-16, which updates prior OMB memo M-22-18. Now, the original memo was published in September of 2022, and it required all federal agencies and their software producers to comply with the NIST Secure Software Development Framework, NIST SP-800-218, and the NIST Software Supply Chain Security Guidance whenever third-party software is used on government information systems or otherwise affects government information. Now, the updated OMB memo extends the deadline by which agencies must collect attestation letters from software producers certifying compliance with the NIST guidance. The due date for the attestation letters now hinge on the publication of a common attestation form. Agencies must collect attestation forms for critical software three months after the common form is approved by OMB and must also collect attestation forms for all other software within six months. The updated memo also clarifies that attestation forms are not required for open source software, even if that software is proprietary. OMB explained that such software is given to the public for free, and there's no opportunity for the government to negotiate with the software producer, making it not feasible for agencies to obtain attestations. Moreover, the updated memo gives agency CIOs the authority to designate software that's developed by federal contractors as agency-developed software. Now, to do so, the CIO has to determine if the agency's specifications and supervision of the contractor were sufficient to ensure that the contractor used secure software development practices throughout development. Now, this designation is important because agency-developed software does not require an attestation. And finally, the updated memo provides guidance on the use of plans of actions and milestones when a software producer cannot attest to compliance with the NIST guidance. It requires the software producer to specifically identify the practices to which they cannot attest, document the practices they have in place to mitigate risks, and submit a POAM to the agency. The agency must then find the POAM satisfactory and concurrently seek an extension of the deadline for attestation from OMB. So significant extended deadlines here, but companies providing software or products should still continue working towards compliance with NIST guidance. Peter, back to you. Great. On June 9th, DOD issued a proposed rule to update the DFARS to supplement the FAR implementation of revisions to the Buy American Act as contemplated by the president's executive order titled Ensuring the Future is Made in All of America by All of America's Workers. The FAR changes went into effect in October of 2022 and included a number of key updates. I'll mention a few of them, but the key headline is that this proposed rule is mostly making conforming changes to reflect the updates in the FAR. Um, so I'll just mention a couple of those key updates. Initiating a staged increase in the percentage cost of domestic components to qualify as domestic end products and construction materials from the current 55% to 60%, and then to 65% in 2024 and 75% in 2029. There are some exceptions. Another example, providing the contracting officer with authority 
based on a determination that no end products or construction materials meet the increased threshold to fall back the threshold to the current 55% to qualify as domestic. Again, that's a CO authority issue. And then another example is creating a framework for applying higher priced preferences for domestic end products and construction materials that are deemed critical or that contain critical components. So again, this is mostly conforming changes. The proposed rule also incorporates some DOD unique requirements, such as an exception for components or items from qualifying countries, which are countries with reciprocal defense procurement agreements with the US, whereby both countries agree to remove barriers to purchases of supplies procured in the other country. So something certainly to keep an eye on and uh, be aware that these clauses are going to start to appear uh, in contracts if the proposed rule goes into effect as amended, but there may be uh, FAR provisions already, class deviations, and uh, contract unique provisions in Section H that carry these forward. Uh, Yuan, back to you. Thanks, Peter. Also on June 9th, the DOD issued an interim rule amending the DFARS to implement Section 855 of the NDAA for fiscal year 2023. Section 855 prohibits the use of DOD funds to knowingly procure any products that are mined, produced, or manufactured wholly or in part by forced labor from the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. And it requires offerors and awardees to make a good faith effort to determine that forced labor from the XUAR will not be used in the performance of a DOD contract. Section 855 further repealed Section 848 of the fiscal year 2022 NDAA, which also addressed a forced labor issue from the XUAR, including Section 848's requirement for a certification from offerors, certifying that a good faith effort was made to determine that forced labor from that region was and will not be used in contract performance. So a quick update there. And Peter, back to you. Great. One final note. On May 15th, the ASBCA issued an instructive analysis of its jurisdiction to hear monetary and non-monetary claims. This was the J&J maintenance decision that was issued in May. Partially granting a government motion to dismiss, the board explained that if a contractor does not seek monetary relief in its claim to the contracting officer, then the contractor cannot seek monetary relief on appeal to the board. In addressing the contractor's claim for contract interpretation, however, the board denied the government's motion to dismiss and held that where a contractor can reasonably articulate significant consequence of its claim other than the recovery of money, the fact that the claim may also have a financial impact on the parties does not strip the board of jurisdiction. We released a detailed client alert about this. If you're interested, there's a lot there and certainly some important practice tips there. So we will close out uh, on that note. This has been the fastest five minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks so much for joining us. The Fastest 5 Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.